Well, hey again, I'm so glad that you made it. So glad that you're tuning in with us as we kick off this new series, Abraham. And we do these series to kind of focus on specific issues that we're, you know, dealing with in our lives. And the main thing that we're talking about here with this series, Abraham, is the idea of walking with confidence. You know, sometimes it's difficult to walk with confidence or we pretend that we have confidence, but we really don't have confidence. Or sometimes we need a boost in our confidence and where do we get that confidence? And so uh, I I don't know about you, but have you ever had the moment where uh, where your body was wanting to do something, but your brain wasn't letting you? You know those, the, those times where it's, it's like your body's wanting to go, but your brain's like, yeah, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. You're kind of freaked out. You don't have the confidence to actually follow through. Or, you know, I, I remember um, a, as a kid in Tennessee getting to jump off of bridges or cliffs into the river. And just recently, this past summer, I took my kids to one of those rocks where I used to jump off as a kid and watching my kids, that feeling where they're just right on the edge and they want to go and we're trying to get them to have the confidence to go. And they're like, daddy, I want to do it. I want to do it. And then they couldn't do it. And then we have to lower it down a little bit and then we jump in. That feeling of where you want to do something, but you just don't have the confidence. I remember one of the, the, the craziest moments in my life experiencing that feeling was not jumping off of a bridge or not jumping off of a rock cliff. It was actually jumping out of a plane where I was convinced by a staff that I worked with when we started a church in Ohio where we were going to do another teaching series called Atmosphere. Here's me signing. We're signing our lives away as we're about to jump out of a plane. I'm completely freaking out in this moment. Like, why are we doing this? They're strapping all this stuff to us. I'm like, this is the dumbest decision. Like, here I am right here. You'll you'll see me. I'm I'm like, yeah, this is stupid. I'm like, you can't. Like, why are we doing this? So we're walking to the plane, and once you get into the plane, our skydiver instructor said, you're not allowed. Once we leave, our insurance company will not allow us to land you down, which makes no sense. You have to literally jump. You can't, there's, once you're up, you have to jump. So here we are. It's like there's no turning back now. Here we are in this plane. It's going up. While we're in the plane, we're awkwardly strapped to our instructors, if you know what I mean. We're awkwardly strapped, and then I'm like, well, wait, I forgot. How do we land? I don't know how to land. They didn't teach me how to land. What do I do with my feet? I'm gonna break my legs. And he says, don't worry, I'll teach you in the air. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll teach me in the air? He's like, don't worry, I'll teach you in the air. And then, my brain literally completely just shut off wondering what in the world that I just do. What gave me the confidence to actually jump out of a perfectly good working airplane. Some of you are like, hey, I'd do that. Uh, Some of you are like, no, I'd never do that. But what gave me the confidence to actually jump out of a perfectly good working airplane? And that's what we're talking about today and over the next coming weeks is in the same way, what gives us the confidence to do what God is calling us to do? What gives us the confidence, the audacity to have the confidence to make bold leaps and making decisions in our lives that God is drawing us to? Like, how do we get the assurance to jump when God is calling us into a direction where it feels unknown or it feels extreme or it seems far-fetched? 
Maybe it's moving somewhere. Maybe it's starting over and starting a new career or, or, or maybe it's uh, doing something that doesn't exist to, to help someone or to help something or a situation or it's doing something that is different than the way of the world, that is going in a different direction or the current of the world and, and going in the current of God. How do we have the confidence to do what God is calling us to do? And so that's what we're going to look at t- today and over the next coming weeks. But we're going to look at it through the lens of a man named Abraham who we'll see have uh, victories and falls. Well, he'll kind of fall apart a little bit when it comes to his confidence. And my hope is that it will be helpful for us to strengthen our confidence along the way. But before we do, I just want to pray for you, pray for me, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into this text. All right, Father, thank you so much for drawing us here today, never by accident. And God, I just ask that you would help us to uh, take in and observe what we need today to help build our confidence and what you're calling us to and calling us towards. Control my mind and tongue and my pace as I communicate, and I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, Wherever you're watching, I want to encourage you to grab uh, a copy of the text. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. Okay, The book of Genesis um, is the very first book of the Bible in the Old Testament there, so really easy to find. And the first time that we hear about the man named Abraham, we're going to see him come up in Genesis chapter 11. We don't really know a ton about Abraham's childhood and, you know, just what he was like as a kid and growing up in his adolescence. Uh, But what we see in Genesis chapter 11 is, is, is the great story of the Tower of Babel where all the languages were confused. And then we see hundreds of years pass. And then we meet Abraham's father named Terah. And Terah was called by God to leave where he was at in the Ur of the Chaldeans to head over into the land of Canaan. But on his journey, he didn't get to Canaan. Instead, he decided to land and settle in the land of Haran. And there we'll see him live his life in Haran, and then he'll die. Abraham's father will die at the age of 205. Okay, can you imagine living to 205? That's how old Abraham's dad lived till. And so we pick up the story and get more detail of Abraham and his life and his character and who he is and what he experienced at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. And so that's where we'll kick off. That's where we'll start this journey. Genesis chapter 12, starting right here in verse 1. Let's begin. It says, So now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Where he's probably thinking, wait, what do you want me to do? You want me to go? Why do you want me to go? Why do you want me to go? Like, what does this even mean? Well, he gives him the answer right here. He says this in verse 2 and 3. He says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and make him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What we just read is the famous what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This was the promise that God gave Abraham, a promise of blessing, a a promise that he would be blessed with land and be blessed with children and descendants that would live on and on and on. And today, if you're listening and you are a Jesus follower, just so you know, the promise has been fulfilled and you are getting to... To, to live in the fulfillment of that blessing because this was the beginning. This was the beginning of the promise that God would not just forget his creation and just say good luck, 
This was the beginning of him forming the right relationship that we can have with God by faith and by faith alone. Not with a human reaction of behaving, but with the human response of believing. I'll say that again. Not with the human reaction of behaving, but with a human response of believing. We see this promise ultimately displayed through God's one and only son, Jesus, that we see in Galatians 3.16 that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. If you didn't know that, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. So God chose a man named Abram, whose name would later be changed to Abraham. And he's been given this promise of multiplication for land, children, and blessing, and so on. And so we see that Abraham that his name was going to be great. Literally, he was going to be famous. And so I don't know how many out there have ever heard uh, of the man named Abraham. I'm sure many of you on the other side of this have heard of the man named Abraham. And that's showing, again, the fulfillment of the promise. Because here we are in the 21st century, and in Christianity and Islam and Judaism, you have Abraham as a key staple faith figure. So God did as he has promised, and now we know that Abraham is famous. Now, you got to imagine for a moment being Abraham. I mean, hearing this proposal, hearing this promise for the first time must have been crazy for him. I mean, we know the end of the story if you've read up on this idea of Abraham and all that happened in his life. But I imagine him scratching his head thinking, well, wait a minute. You want me to do what? You want me to go where? You're going to do this? How are you going to do that? That doesn't make any sense. This was a bold request And not only a bold request, it was a bold promise from God. And so what would give Abraham the audacity to actually respond to such a request from God? What would give him the audacity to actually respond to such a request from God? It reminds me of when I first got the invitation to jump out of the airplane uh, with my friends. The reason why I ended up doing it was because of the who that was asking me to do such the crazy thing. Uh, It was because of my friends and my peers and we were doing this thing and we were going to do it together and I wanted to have that memory and I didn't want to be the guy that didn't, you know, trust his friends to do it. And I was like, okay, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And they gave me the confidence to actually jump out of the plane. If it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have done it. I mean, today, if a perfect stranger came up to me and said, hey, you want to jump out of the airplane? I'm probably not going to do it. But if it's people that I actually know, I'll probably do it, but don't ask me if you're thinking that would be fun. Don't ask me. Don't ask me, okay? I did it once. I did it once. I did it once. And so this is, you know, I know this isn't rocket science, but this is bringing up the same point when it comes to our relationship with God. Because our relationship with God dictates how we will respond to God. Abraham was in a right relationship with God bringing up this truth that the more that we understand the heart of God, the better we're able to hear from God. The more that, 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 we, that we lean in to, to, to who God is and, and understand his heart and what he's all about. I mean, I know it seems simple, but it's the truth that, that the better that we're able to hear the voice of God. The more that we strengthen our relationship, the more that we will strengthen our dependence and our confidence in him to do what he wants us to do and go where he wants us to go. To make sure that when we hear God's voice, it's a familiar voice and not a foreign voice. And so that's a question for you. When you think about having real source of confidence in your life, it comes from a right relationship with God. And so the question I have for you is, is the voice of God foreign to you? 
or is it familiar to you? Let that sit. Is the voice of God a foreign voice or is it something that is familiar to you? Because when you are familiar with the voice of God and when you're in a relationship with God, man, look out. That is a key component to building confidence in your life to go in the direction that he would want you to, which is the best way for your life. Where do you stand with God? It continues. It says in verse four. So it says, so Abraham, he went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And so verse four tells us that not only did he, you know, get the invitation, he actually listened to God and he went. He actually did what God wanted him to do. And so he packs up his possessions. He left everything he knew, things that he loved, his heritage, his comforts, his accomplishments, many relationships that he loved and invested in. And now it's all behind him. And we have to understand, in his context, land and family had a strong connecting bond like no other. Not that, you know, even when we think about our lives today in our context, this was not only emotionally, but this was economically, uh, an economic survival that was connecting land and, and, and family. It's a whole different level when we think about relocating today in our context to a whole other place. This was a big deal that he would pick up everything and relocate. And then not to mention, too, when we, when we, like we highlighted this idea of he was 75 years old where God made a bold request to him. And then he boldly responded and did what God wanted him to do, which reminds us of an important truth, that you are never too old to be called by God. God doesn't stop at some random age, stop giving assignments until you don't have any more breath in your lungs, you will still get assignments from God. And for those of you that are listening on the other line, I'll let you be the definite, you can define how old is old, okay? But some of you that are in your 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s that are listening, I think sometimes maybe it's easy for you to just think, well, I've lived my life or I've done my time or, you know, it's someone else's turn. And don't let the enemy steal what God still wants to do through you. If God called Abraham to something extreme when he was 75, he will do and can do and probably will do the same thing for you. That he wants you to step up because you've got, you've got wear on the tires. You've got wisdom. You've got experience that God wants to use now for his glory. And so don't let your giftings, don't let your experiences rot away until you die. Use them. Is there a bold request that God's asking you in your older age that you're ignoring? Is there a request that God is calling out to you that you just keep pushing off? Don't push it off. God wants to use you. Keep going. Then it says this. Then Abram, what did he do? He took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And it says that they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And so they started to move. And we got to notice here, it was not only Abraham who moved, but it was also Sarah and his nephew Lot. 
And we're told in the scriptures that God spoke directly to Abraham, not to Sarah or not to Lot. So most likely they heard secondhand what God was wanting to do uh, through Abraham. And so what did they do? They trusted Abraham. They were trusting that God, that Abraham was trusting God, that, that Abraham was leaning into God, which is a great reminder for us for two things. The first thing is this, is for those of you that are watching or listening that are leaders, to keep striving to be spirit-led leaders. Because there are many people that are leaning into your leadership and your leadership God is using to help build the confidence of others. And so we must make sure that we take that seriously and lead with humility and be spirit-led. The other thing that it reminds us of and makes us step back is ask the question is, who are we willing to follow? Are we following people just because of their position or their possessions or their popularity? Who are you following? Who, who are you wanting to, to, to literally follow in your life? And it's the reminder that we need to choose to follow people that are modeling grace. That we need to choose to follow people that are modeling generosity, that are modeling gratefulness. The more a leader looks like Jesus, the more confidence we will have. The more a leader looks like Jesus and we lean into those leaders, the more confidence we will gain because they are modeling Jesus to us. So if you're a leader, take it seriously. And when you think of the leaders that you are following, make sure you're following the right leaders because if you are, they will help build your confidence. I have so many examples of great leaders that I look up to and because they walk closely with Jesus. And so what does it do? It builds my confidence. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Then it says this. Then as they were on their journey, when they passed, uh, when they came to the land of Canaan, it says that Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. When it came to the promise of the land, Abraham, what did he do? He kept moving even though he knew that the Canaanite people had already inhabited the land that God promised him. So what did he do? He just kept moving. He kind of kept passing through. And then when it came to the children promise, Abraham kept moving even though he was 75 years old and Sarah wasn't getting any younger. He's thinking, how in the heck are we going to have kids? This is, seems crazy. This seems impossible. But in both of those scenarios, he didn't know how God was going to show off his power or how God was going to get it specifically done. But what did he do? Abraham kept passing through. Abraham kept moving in the direction that God was asking him to move. Which reminds me of when I was skydiving and I was getting a little panicked and I asked my skydiver instructor while we're about to jump out of the plane, you forgot to tell me how to land. How do I land? My legs are going to break. What do I do? Who, what, do I just put my legs up like this? What do I do? And then he says, don't worry. I'll teach you in the air. And I'm like, don't worry, you'll teach me in the air. That makes no sense. And then I had to, in that moment, trust that my skydiver instructor was going to show me what to do after we jumped. And in a very, very similar way, we see Abraham literally free falling, literally just like Tom Pettying it out 
going from Haran to Canaan, literally jumping, making that leap and trusting in God, aka his skydiver instructor, to show him how he was going to land and trusting that he would teach him in the air, believing that God would reveal to him each detail at his perfect timing. And we don't like this, but it's the truth. Oftentimes, we just need to move. We just need to jump before we know exactly how God is going to move. We must keep moving. And maybe there's an area where you've stalled. The door's open. God's asking you to jump, but you're not willing to jump because you keep asking the question, yeah, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And what is God telling you? Don't worry, I'll teach you in the air. But what about this? But what about that? I'll teach you in the air. But, but, but how am I supposed to lead? How am I supposed to do this? Don't worry, I'll help you lead. Yeah, but what about, I'll help you, I'll, I'll provide. Yeah, but what about, I'll give you the right words. Yeah, but what about, I'll give you the courage. Oftentimes, we just have to first jump before we'll ever know how we're gonna land. Is there an area in your life where you're not trusting God with how you're gonna land? knowing that he will teach you in the air. Leaning into the confidence, having the confidence that God will be with you and he will walk with you every step of the way and he'll teach you in the air. It keeps going. Verse seven and eight, it says this. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel. And it said that he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west side and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And so what do we see here? You see, the journey from Haran to Canaan was some like 400 miles, they estimate. So on foot, that would have taken him a couple months to actually make that journey happen. And so before he set up his tent... Uh, we're told in verse 7 that God appeared to him, reminding him not only of the promise, but reminding him of God's presence, that God is with him, that God is for us. And then we're told that Abraham built two different altars just within two verses. He built these two altars emphasizing the importance of taking the time to pause and reflect and to remember Abraham created these altars not only for him to remember, but he created the altars for other people to remember and for generations to come to remember. And I remember after I went skydiving, I bought every picture and video I could and was so excited to have all those so that I could remember the moment. But not only that, so I could tell other people about the moment, so I could tell my kids. I showed my kids that video for the first time. They were so excited to see it. I got to just show you the video. I got to brag that I jumped out of a plane that was so close, so excited to let everyone know that, that I did something like that. And so what does that look like for us? Are we supposed to go in our backyards and you know, grab some sticks or grab some stones and make an altar? I mean, I guess you could. But another great way of having an altar and making an altar is you could simply pick up a pen and write down in a journal the miracles and the things that God has done so you don't forget. I've learned this so much in my life. The more that we write it down, the more that we lift him up. And the more that we write it down and the more that we lift him up, what does it do? It builds our confidence as we face new things, new hills, new valleys in our lives. The more we write it down, the more we lift it 
up. Remembering the miracles, because we can be very forgetful people, what does it do? It increases our confidence in God. A few months back, we did a series on Joshua, and we talked about the, the, the altar that Joshua did with stones. We gave everyone a stone, and we told them to write on the stone. And until this day, I have it in my truck, and every time I see that stone, I remember the miracle, and it encourages me, and it gives me confidence as I face different trials that come in my life. I think about recently, um, just a quick story on, you know, when I think about having confidence in where God is asking us to do something and maybe we fight against it. When we, three years ago, decided to start our Lion location, I got to be honest with you, before we started it, I didn't really want to do it. Um, I would rather just start independent churches. I really didn't want to, like, have a multi-site, one, you know, one church, two location thing. Um, but then the more that it was put on Jen and I's minds and we kept praying about it, it just wouldn't go away. And we kept looking at our neighbors and our neighborhoods and the schools. And we were just like, man, like we were from this community and we just, we need another gospel centered church in this city. And so I'll never forget. I was out at Lake Michigan and just sitting out there at Lake Michigan processing and wrestling with God on this issue. And, and, he just made it really clear. And I remember just saying, okay, I'll go. And you just got to, if you want us to do this, you know, we'll, we'll go. Just open the doors. But if you don't, just shut all the doors so, so we don't, like, make a mistake here. And so I went back in some of my journals, and then I was trying to remember also and wrote some new things down to remember the journey of South Lion. Because South Lion, our Lion journey has been a journey. It's been a roller coaster of ups and downs. But let me just highlight some, some, some miracles. The day after I left Lake Michigan, I made a phone call. And that one phone call, 75% of the Lion location launch was funded within one phone call. Next, we opened up in a recycle center. And it opened up. It was being redone. It was this old garbage place. And... Literally, it opened up just in time for us to have our service. Then we were kicked out of the recycle center because of codes, and we're not going to get into that. And then Centennial Middle School opened up, not within weeks instead of months, where it should have been months for us to get into a space. So God gave us a space in Centennial Middle School. Then we are shut down because of COVID. And so we're like, okay, what do we do there? And then a gracious church has opened up the ability for us to have services on Sunday nights. Then God opened up the door for us to have a church planter house to house church planters in South Lyon. He provided that. Then God gave us Maya and Jess Williams um, that moved their lives from Ohio to help build Lyon and to be the directors over that location. Then I think of all the life change stories that we heard over and over and over again. Then I think of all the baptism stories. Then I think about a church planter that was training out of our Lion location that has now launched a church out of the Lion location in a church called The Trails in Farmington. I think of many people now finally finding their home church in Lion. And then just recently, just recently as we've been praying and praying and wanting to know where we're supposed to be and where we're supposed to go, there was a building that was for sale and we put an offer in way lower than asking price and then right at the very end, two other churches came in with way higher offers 
and then they still voted and accepted our offer. And now our Lion Church finally has a home. And wherever you're watching, you can, you can clap for that. It's been a roller coaster ride. And isn't it true? I mean, think about this. It's so easy for us to lose confidence along the way, along the journey. It's so easy for us to be swayed into disobedience instead of obedience. I mean, I wonder how many times did Abraham say, maybe we should turn back or maybe we misheard what God was telling us and we should go back to what we know. And I got to be real, so many different times on the three-year journey, I'm scratching my head thinking, man, was, did I hear you right? Is this really what we were supposed to do? But then when you write it down and you remember all the things that he's done over and over and over again, God is building the confidence and reminding me, yes, this is what I wanted and I'm just getting started in lying and I am moving and hang in there, hang in there. I got this whole thing rigged. And thankfully on our journey, we have a weapon that Abraham really didn't have at that time. Because remember, the offspring of Abraham is Jesus. And Jesus wasn't around then. But now we get to experience Jesus. Because trusting in Christ, when we go through all the different seasons that God has us go through, when we're trying to build up our confidence and, and move in the direction that God has for us, trusting in Christ is the ultimate line of defense when there is lack of confidence. Trusting in Christ is the ultimate line of defense when there is lack of confidence. When we feel unsure about the direction, when we feel like turning back, when, when, when the enemy's playing mind games with us and causing us to doubt, what do we do? We trust in the ultimate line of defense that builds our confidence, and that is Jesus. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, what does he do? He gives you an unbelievable gift, and that is the power of his Holy Spirit that takes residence inside of our lives. It becomes our advocate. It becomes our helper. It becomes our comforter. And it gives us a level of confidence way outside of our own abilities. Trust in Christ. Trusting in Christ is the ultimate line of defense when there is lack of confidence. And so... Is there an area in your life where you're standing up in the airplane and God keeps telling you, go, go, jump. And you're just like giving every excuse in the book and, and, and you're just saying, no, I, I just can't do it. What is God saying to you? Hey, don't worry, I'll teach you in the air. Jump, where do you need to jump? Where do you need to trust? and lean into God because he says, I'll teach you in the air how to land. Don't worry about the landing. I got this, trust me. The fact that we know that God has it should build our confidence to jump because who are we leaning into? Who are we resting into? What do you need to write down? I mean, maybe, maybe you're frustrated with God right now. Maybe you're angry with God right now. Maybe you're just in a funk right now with God and your journey because of what's happened or what hasn't happened. And I just wanna encourage you to go back in time, go back the past year, go back the past two years, whatever it is for you, and start writing down how God has shown off. Because when you do it, when you do it, it will help build your confidence to get you into the next 
at what God is calling you to do. And then lastly, is the voice of God in your life foreign or is it familiar? Because if you really want to have true confidence to walk through this life, it starts by being in a right relationship with God. And God gives you that ability through his son, Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, who loved you so much that died for you and rose again for you, to take away your sin problem once and for all, when you do that, as I already said, then you are given the gift of his spirit living inside of you. And then you have this voice. It's not foreign, but it's familiar. And it will guide you and give you the confidence you need to face anything that comes your way. And so if you want that familiar voice guiding your life to build your confidence, then I wanna give you that opportunity to receive him right now. So wherever you're watching or listening, just, just say, Father, here I am. I, you have been foreign to me. I've put you off. But for whatever reason right now, you got my attention. And I don't want that to be foreign anymore. I want that to be familiar. And so right now, I want to receive you into my life. I believe you are God. I believe I repent of my sin. I want to thank you for dying for me. I want to thank you for rising again for me. I'm humbling myself right now and receiving you, Jesus, to be my king, to be my savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue to pray, if you truly meant that, just be reminded of this truth that, that you now have a helper that will guide your life and give you confidence and you'll no longer perish in, in darkness and in, in being alone and separated from, from God, but now you will spend eternity with him forever and your life truly begins right, right now. And so, Father, thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for um, creating a covenant with us through your son, Jesus, that changes everything. God, help us to lean into you, uh, to keep trusting in you um, for our confidence. Thank you for being our ultimate line of defense. We love you, and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you made a decision to allow God's voice to now not be foreign, but to be familiar in your life, we want to celebrate with you, and we want to help you on the journey of what's next. And so what you can do is just text the word Mile City to the number on the screen, and we're going to get up with you, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to answer any question that you might have.